0: Hey, what's up y'all? Matt here with Hatch in another episode of Built By. Uh, Really excited about today's episode because we get to dive into something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which is what is the actual value that a marketing team can bring to your business? And how can you track that? And how can you know that they're actually uh, helping your business grow? This all got sparked by a question I saw on a Facebook group this past weekend where an owner asked the group, A, should I hire an internal marketer? Or B, should I outsource my marketing to a agency or a uh, Facebook ads guru, which side note, if anyone ever refers to themselves as a Facebook ads guru, do not give that person your money. But anyways, I was fascinated by this question because uh, as a marketer who's who's grown uh, not just in home improvement, I've been in a ton of industries, but I have firsthand knowledge here. If you want short-term success and you need leads to get you through the end of the year, by all means, hire that marketing agency that's going to pump up your Facebook ads. The problem with that is that they're only going to pump up your Facebook ads. They're not going to have any other hand in anything else. That's why I'm over here on this side petitioning for hiring an internal marketer. Now, with that being said, there's a lot of layers to this. And let's say you're a company that's you know, maybe around the 1 million mark plus, uh, haven't quite hit 5 million. It doesn't make sense to justify hiring a VP of marketing or your VP level C level marketer that is coming out with a ton of experience. That's probably going to ask for, you know, 70 plus K a year. It's just not feasible in some cases, but if you can swing that, if you find a good contact, somebody with experience that you can afford, I highly suggest going that route. On the flip side of that, if you find somebody that's entry to mid level market, that's asking, you know, 30 K 40 K plus a year, uh, I think you might've found your sweet spot, which the difference there compared to the marketing agency is that this person's going to be in the trenches with you. They're going to know your brand story. They're going to talk to the owner. They're going to talk to the sales reps. They're going to know the pain. They'll manage the website. They can do all of these things. All you have to do is kind of empower them, right? You have to make sure continued education is there. If you find the right person, like my guest, uh, Cassie Hallam is the VP of marketing over at system Pavers, says, Kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, you will have hit a home run and it will bring so much more value to your business than hiring someone to do one thing. So, with all that being said, I'm really excited about today's episode because I got a chance to connect with, I think, one of the most forward thinking home improvement uh, marketers out there, uh, who's Cassie Hallam. She's the VP of marketing at System Pavers. They're a hardscape company based on the West Coast. They have multiple locations. She manages a team of 25 marketers and they are rolling they're crushing it right now. Cassie was gracious enough to come on and share some insight into when she first joined System Papers and she's had experience at Jacuzzi. Uh, She worked at an ad agency for a while. She has her MBA. When she first joined System Papers, she put a process in place and she sheds a little light on that process. And she talks a little bit about what your marketing team should be concerned with. If you're one of those companies that has hired an internal marketer to help with your efforts, send them this podcast. Tell them to listen to Cassie because. She has a ton of great input here and it's just fascinating to hear you know, how she approaches challenges in her business and what she values as success. So without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and kick this episode off. Again, this is Cassie Hallam, who is the Vice President of Marketing at System Pavers. I hope you enjoy. Every day is an opportunity for you to learn something that sets your home improvement or home services business apart from the competition. Let's make today one of those days. This is a podcast for home improvement and home services marketing. This is Built By.
1: But you've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate
0: an uncomfortable customer. If you're not getting the home advisor leads in the first five minutes, you shouldn't even do it. Hopefully, we're eating their lunch while they're trying to get back up and running.
1: My most recent physician right now, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at System Pavers, so outdoor remodeling industry, uh, outdoor remodeling landscape, uh, sorry, hardscape. It's pretty much to describe it, anything but the plants. So that could be outdoor pergolas, fire pits, pavers, patios, etc. Prior to this, I was working in the consumer products industry just for a brief segment Um, I had moved out there because I had had the opportunity to try something completely different and it was completely different. So anything from like the small products that most retailers would consider nuisances, that's what I was working on. So just very different shift in the consumer mindset in terms of like willingness to pay, channel to market, all those different things. Uh, But previous to that, I was in still in the home products category. I had been with Jacuzzi uh, in their marketing department as well. So very much larger consumer goods, products, um, and or services. So a lot of those products, especially like Jacuzzi and even system pavers, those are your real want categories. This is an add on to your life. This is a fun emotional sell a little bit different than some of the home improvement industries that you you talk about which is Mm -hmm. yes like HVAC if your AC goes out it is not a matter of like oh it sounds so lovely no fix my AC right now so I think there's very different ways to market given that and there's a lot of especially home improvement companies that really need to bridge the gap between those needs and those wants even in system pavers there's uh, things that would trend more towards the need. So you look at your driveway, it's cracked, it's concrete, it's ugly. Or then you kind of got the want category on the, the other side, which is more of the, hey, I've just got a backyard that I'm not really doing anything with. How can I optimize that? How can I have a space that I want to spend time in and engage with my family, etc."
0: So that's, that's a little bit about the background for me. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, I really want to dive into that, that kind of the early stage period of System Papers when you first joined, because I think it's a a really fascinating kind of two-step process you had when you joined. And, um, you know, you've grown the team and you're seeing a lot of success, but I would love to hear when you first joined, what did the marketing department there look like? Uh, Was, you know, if there was a marketing department? Yes.
1: So there is definitely a marketing department. System Pavers is really unique in, in our industry. Um, there are several players like this, but in, especially in the outdoor remodeling section in that we have locations throughout the West Coast, all the way out to like Texas and Colorado. So Mm -hmm. we look at things both on both the national standpoint because we have the benefit and the ability to do that, but also from the local standpoint. So there's been a lot of support both ways. When I originally joined System Pavers though, 100% of the focus was very much bottom of the funnel. It is someone that has raised their hand or they are ready. They kind of know what they want and they're ready to purchase. So. There were two things that really went into this. and one is more of the business side of it and one is more of the cultural structure piece. So let me start with the business side of it, which mm-hmm. is that you know, being a little bit reactive and bottom of the funnel um, help it can serve and can feed your salespeople today. But what we really want to do is set up the business for success tomorrow and down the road. And a lot of people, especially in lead generation and home improvement, you know, we're really good at getting that bottom of the funnel. And as marketers, there's really there's a lot, a lot to be said about two different mindsets, people who are super into brand and then super into lead gen. But there really is this beautiful place in the middle. But it's really about starting at the bottom and it's about starting at that lead gen and making sure that you're really killing it, right? Making sure you don't have holes in your bucket. You're not leaving a lot on the table because that's where your highest ROI is going to be, right? Your, your chance of losing that customer is very slim because they are ready to buy and they're ready to buy now. And it's a matter of who and, or like where they buy and what they buy. So making sure that you've really tightened that up from a strategic perspective, looking at it through the consumer lens. Um, That's when you say, okay, we're gonna get that taken care of. And then we earn that opportunity to move up the funnel to some of those, you know, quote unquote, fun things that are a little bit more awareness based. I do wanna make a distinction though. A lot of people assume that brand building and awareness are the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that even in a lead gen world, you do need to have a strong brand established. even, actually not even, especially internally in our minds Mm. because brands are built and broken from the inside. So if we know who we are, you know, it doesn't have to be we're putting out YouTube videos, but we know who we are to the customer, what spot we fill in their life, what we do that really benefits them. And so knowing that and then tying that with the the more lead gen focused and then starting to earn your way up to just a little bit more of an awareness so that when people are ready because right now they're doing their kitchen remodel because that kitchen remodel is always going to come first etc that we're already the first person and they know of us and so when they make their narrowing down of their choices to the top three we're hitting those top three without having to
0: fight at the bottom yeah that's fascinating. It's 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 kind of the concept of starting with the why, right? Like you you yes. have your your company brand. Everyone in your company knows it. Anyone from your CS team to your marketing team to your sales team can they they know what they're talking about, basically. And it's that core value, right? A hundred percent. And
1: if we don't have core values and know how we're different, we're going to compete on price all day and all night and. Yeah. That's not where we want to be. That's not where all the profit
0: is. (laughs) Yeah. The race to the bottom that is priced. Uh, that's awesome. So, you know, when you first joined, we were talking the other day and when you first joined system papers and you, you briefly touched on this, um, there was kind of a, a first two steps you took. The first one was, you know, making sure that the gap between sales and marketing was, was Mm -hmm. bridged, um, which is a very important first step. Um, I was curious, you know, in your opinion, why this was really one of the first things you wanted to solve. And mm-hmm. if it's because of something you've seen in a in a previous experience.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about it. But yes, I think it did stem from some of my previous experiences,
0: mm-hmm. in
1: which, you know, sales and marketing can be like cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but in many ways, that's what we what we want, right? Like, if, mm-hmm. I I had a mentor that used to say hey if you guys agree on everything one of you is redundant so that's the the push and the pull should be a really mutually beneficial thing um and when we started to see sales as the extension of marketing and marketing as the extension or the pre-sale it became a lot more streamlined because at the end of the day the customer doesn't see us in two segments right they're not like Oh, the marketing department says this and this. No, we're, we're one company. Mm-hmm. And so bridging that gap, one, for the benefit of the customer, because it's a more seamless consideration, two, for the benefit of the company. Um, but, and then three, for the benefit of the teams, because even, even personally and selfishly, my success is tied to the sales team and vice versa. So I want to give them their best chance of being successful, and I'm assuming they want that too. I want to put myself in their spot. And I want to run the best leads, and if we treat it like it's like a baton handoff, okay, here you go, bye, and we get no feedback. That's that's not helping any of us. But if we can pass the baton to them and say, okay, tell us what what is the feedback? How do we get the data back? How does the data tell us that what? these trends are and the shifts and the changes we can make, then all of a sudden that just becomes a stronger and stronger and more fluid machine.
0: Yeah, um, And that just,
1: it just benefits everyone.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Cassie. Um, you know, diving into step two, which is is a great segue into this part. And you briefly mentioned, the, mentioned this, which is, you know, starting at bottom of the funnel and looking up to, you know, top of funnel. And, you know, of course, you have to earn that, like you mentioned, but um, what I thought was was pretty fascinating is I think a lot of marketers can um, focus too heavily on the vanity metrics, which are nice, you know, the impressions, the views, that sort of thing, um, which are nice for, you know, building the brand, but you you have a different kind of philosophy on it, which is that you look back to, you know, the revenue, you look down what what's resulting in the best revenue. Can you touch a little bit about that? Sure. So some of the metrics that we look at are
1: and going back to what we were just talking about, starting with owning that bottom of the funnel. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to look at what the cost per lead was, the conversion of leads into appointments, the conversion of appointments into sales and the conversion of those sales at what job prices. Right. Because we might find that we're running a campaign that converts much higher, but it's you know, at a ticket size, that's half the price. And again, it's there's space for all of those things, but knowing what that mix is, is kind of part of the, the magic sauce, if you will. And every company's magic sauce is different, but you have to have those metrics to figure out what that sauce is because, and I'll use uh, system pavers as an example, the, the crews might say, hey, we've got some really big projects. We need some smaller projects in between because the crews have gaps. So they have time and we want to fill it. So that's that actually ties both things back. One, that open communication of what's going to benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. And then two, how do we hit those mixes so that it's it's right for everyone? So looking at those KPIs gives us the best point of view on what's benefiting the company. And then once we're really nailing that, that's when we start to say, OK, well, now, how do we think about the prospect? So, uh, and we've all got our own jargon for this. So, I'll say a lead is, is someone that is, you know, we think is fairly ready to buy, and a prospect might be three to six months out. And that's where your more vanity metrics are coming into play. That's where you're like, okay, how many people am I reaching? What are the impressions? What is the engagement rate? But again, what is the, the most important metric of those vanity metrics is, how do those prospects then turn into leads? What's the conversion rate? Because if we're only converting 10% of those six months out, well, gosh, I, this is contrary to what you'd probably hear a marketer generally say, but then it's not really worth it, not to the company. So, and that's what we have to do. Always put the company at the heart of it. It's like, If you love the brand building and you want to do nothing but, there are plenty of companies that want exactly that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, matching your own personal style to the company
0: style as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, You know, generating demand is something um, you've touched on a few times. And you were talking a little bit about system pavers and your approach there. And it's kind of a two parts the brand building and the awareness and uh, marrying those two um, and then bringing it down the funnel. What's in your experience, uh, are you, I think you mentioned the other day you were going more digital, which I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of home improvement companies now are realizing that they have to go more digital because you can't put all your eggs in that home show basket or yes. you know, one specific basket, as we've seen over the past year or so. Um, is the digital side something that you're seeing success with? Is there anything, any specific channels that you're you know, um, you know, advertising in or or marketing in that that you've seen really take off. You know, that's a
1: that's a great question, and I think the short answer is yes. We are spending more and doing more in digital, and a lot of that was in response to this past year. And mm-hmm. from the customer perspective, um, we were on our devices a lot <laughs> more <laughs> this last year <laughs> than we probably even want to admit to ourselves. So the eyeballs were there. And um, and for us, for example, we had we had done a lot of radio like to and from work. We had a lot of different touch points because no. And and this is where it's a little tough, is that the more touch points you have, the more we do reinforce and the more maybe your digital efforts will be recognized. So you might not be able to attribute something to radio or to digital um, and, and vice versa. Um, but overall, yes, so we saw more eyeballs on the screen, more searches, and so that's where the customers were. We, we want to go to them. Now, that being said, we didn't want to lose some of our more traditional methods because a lot of people dropped those. And it's like, well, you know, even though our cost per lead, for example, might be lower digitally, our conversion rate on direct mail is higher. And we're not competing with nearly as many eyeballs on direct mail or even radio right now. So that's when we're doing that cost benefit analysis of where do we scale back some of these because we're getting better interest here. And frankly, I think when you look at all of us, you know, we system pavers, we had about 400 shows that we did across the country. When you take out 400 shows, there is a panic of are we going to be able to make that up? You know, where are we going to find that and what is it going to look like? And we, we were we were able to find it on digital. Um, again, a lot of the customers were in market and searching. And so a lot of the activities that we had put in place previously, um, mm-hmm. we had created a, a ability to schedule your own appointment online, the ability to measure and work with customers online during all of this. Uh, that's when those things really started to shine, and that thinking forward a little bit, we were like, "Oh, wow, <laughs> wow!" Our, our online scheduler launched in January of last year, mm-hmm. and it was just sometimes the timing. We were um, we got to really reap the benefits of that,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. That's, yes. that's awesome to hear. I'm glad you're seeing success there. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to talk a little bit about um, the team that you've got over there, yes. and, you know, growing a team. And um, I've noticed more home improvement companies start to, you know, hire actual marketers uh, yeah. over the past few years, rather than like, it used to be just like a niece or nephew that can handle the social. Media. <laughs> there's, there's an actual like, there's the actual process now. And I, I think a lot of people are curious about, you know, how to scale the team, how to grow it. When you mm-hmm. start seeing that revenue being attributed to some of your marketing activities, yeah. um, when it comes to scaling a marketing team and home improvement, um, yes. what are the most positions that, uh, let's say there's a, the head of marketing um, mm-hmm. and they're looking to, to really grow that team. What, what should they be looking for first off? Ooh.
1: Great question. Uh, I'll put this a little bit in the court of it depends. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I think there, there are some things that are probably consistent, but it depends on the size of the company, how fast you want to grow. Um, are you a need versus want category? Do you compete on price? How many competitors do you have? Those type of things. Mm-hmm. So all of those factors go into it. But overall, I, I have found the most success with people that have a proactive and entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things about the home improvement industry, and like you're saying with scale, you need to be able to shift and pivot. So a lot of us don't have teams of 30 or 50, where you can say, that's my specialist in XYZ. No, we have to wear multiple hats. So that's a super important thing for me, um, someone who you can give them a direction, and they can start to run. Someone who can wear multiple hats. So I think that's kind of your your core piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have some agencies and some partners that you trust working with, mm-hmm. because for a lot of us, also, you might need pieces of a position to grow. So, I'll give an example of a creative director. Mm. You don't necessarily need a hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar creative director all year, but you do need someone who you can pop in and trust will guide the team twice a year, do sessions, help guide the plan that the teams can execute to. So. Even though that's not a um, person to hire, that is one of my biggest recommendations: of don't be afraid to leverage your network, find a network, and hire out um, some very experienced people for short periods of time, because they really will get you, you know, thinking in a different spot and pushed to the next level to which your core team, which you need executors
0: for for sure, um, yeah. are going to get you. Yeah, that's that's huge, that execution piece, because, you know, I think a lot of people can get, you know, heads in the cloud a little too much, but it's important to actually put these things in action. So I love that entrepreneur reference, you know, Mm -hmm. like feeling like you are building like kind of a side product within Mm -hmm. the company, I feel like is very Mm -hmm. important, you know, having a say in the direction of the company and that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a good like retention factor as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah,
0: Interesting. So, Let's say for the, if the companies that have hired like a niece or nephew, but yeah. that, that person is hungry and they want to learn more and they want yeah. to become better at their job. Yes. What, where, where should they go? There, there's no, no one goes to school for, for home improvement marketing. So it's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that is so
1: true, you know, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, there are an awful lot of people that enjoy mentoring. And I think that we often don't ask so you know even finding people that you've seen um on linkedin asking for advice um i just got hit up the other days from some friends who have a a a jeep dealership in town and they're like hey can can we buy you lunch and pick your brain and it's in those moments that you realize oh my gosh like background noise
0: it's all fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's in those moments that you realize, gosh, like I've accumulated a lot and I love to give that and share that. So, um, so yeah, I think just even, I, I think asking people, do you know someone, do you have this, where do you find? I think that's a really beneficial way to start, but I totally agree with you that in this industry, it's a little, you know, they don't teach a class on this in particular.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Cassie. That I have one last question, which is the one that I like to end every podcast with, which okay. is, uh, it's last tip before we dip. So if there was one piece of advice that you would give to anyone in the home improvement industry, what would it be right now?
1: I hope you can edit this because this is going to be a long pause. There's a You're lot going through my head right
0: now. This is one of my favorite questions because it gets people's like mind thinking. Yes. Uh,
1: one piece of
0: advice. Mm-hmm. If if you have to make it two, that's fine. Some people. Can, <laughs> and, yeah. and
1: would it be to uh, owners, marketers?
0: Yeah. Um, any owners, marketers, um, really anyone that's in the industry right now that wants to, you know, take their business to the next level, quote, unquote.
1: So one, I would piggyback off my last answer, which is, don't be afraid to ask. Just get out there and and find something or someone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, here's here's a random one, because this is going to be rather particular. Yeah. But I'll start with the big chunk of it, which is, Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Mm. There is an awful lot going on right now. And we, the closer we get to the business, the big things that we forget sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, walk walk in your customer's shoes. I talked to someone, a friend yesterday, and she had said, Oh gosh, I, I went to get a paver quote and XYZ. And it was like, Oh, that's right. Right, right now, these are the challenges that this person is facing. This is what they're going through. Um, so by putting them in mind, everything from how we treat them and how we speak to them to what that entire overall experience is like. And right now, this industry is experiencing such growth mm-hmm. that it's really easy to churn and burn. And mm-hmm. while that feels not terrible in the moment, it is going to bite us hard in six months to a year and those people who are like just hire more sales hire more sales it doesn't matter how it gets put in the ground that's really gonna hurt because you know customers don't forget that and they want to share those experiences so other people don't go through it so Mm -hmm. some a little bit of restraint and focus on making sure we don't let the customer experience get out of control will set us up in the long term for when we come out of that because right now anyone in the home and improvement industry is going to make money but who comes out of it and how they come out of it is going to be the
0: real distinguishing factor yeah that's fascinating i have a follow-up question to that by the yes. way yes so with that in mind how in marketing what what's your approach there how, how are you uh how can you kind of alleviate that like what do you what do you think long term to to really I mean, everybody knows there's ebb and flows with with these things, but building out that pipeline, you know, years from now, um, what role can marketing play in that?
1: I think there's a few things that we can do. Um, One is to truly survey the customers. This doesn't have to be a $10,000, $100,000 kind of like research experience, um, but having someone who calls and follows up and just asks about that experience can be really impactful. One, because the customer wants to be heard, they get an opportunity to be heard. But two, we get to see if there are patterns that we can then flag and bring to other departments. And that's also where the relationships with the other departments become so crucial. Because Mm. when, when personally, I know that when there's someone I like to work with says, hey, here's an issue, I'm like, thank you. That's awesome. I want to be on it versus someone who's like, here's an issue. You handle it. So there, there's, you know, that that part of the relationship is important, too. So being able to see those patterns, that's one of them. Um, and then the whether that's responding to online reviews or having someone do a follow up or simply sending a follow up email, but making sure that those are monitored. So don't send out 100 if you're only going to be able to respond to three, then only send out three. So I think that's where we can help gather the feedback and highlight that and present that to people who who can make changes or differences in those experiences.
0: Yeah. Creating lifelong relationships with those customers.
1: Yeah. And then another piece is always just, you know, pre um, communication, right? It's the proactive. Hey guys, we are experiencing really long lead times and delays and, people have been really, they really respond well to the proactive communication. You know, I think all of us are like, don't tell me after it's late, tell me a week ahead of time, this is what's gonna happen. And as long as you keep me in the loop, I'm gonna be much happier because I feel like you're being transparent and honest with me. So a little bit of influence in that proactive communication, even if it's from the marketing side and you're putting it on your website, you know, there and don't get me wrong, there's a fine line of of not wanting to scare people off. <laughs> um, but just just that proactive communication.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I just had a conversation actually right before this where, you know, it's it's the, you know, it, it's the customer doesn't think that you've forgotten about them, basically, you know, just exactly, a, just a infrequent touch, you know, maybe once a month, twice a month, just to keep them updated on the progress instead of yes. this long period of silence, which people yes. make up their own, their own reasons why.
1: <laughs> exactly, you know, in a, in a vacuum, you're gonna make up your own story. And that's, yeah, exactly. that's what we do, <laughs>
0: good or bad, it's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, awesome, Cassie, that's all the questions I had. Again, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This has been, you know, one of my favorites. I always love digging in and just hearing how like, you know, forward thinking marketers like yourself are, are, you know, thinking about these things and, and really building their business to see success.
1: Oh. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, awesome. this was your first podcast, right?
1: It was my absolute first podcast. <laughs> you have to
0: do so many more now. You're, you're an. Asshole.
1: I would love to. It's just this, <laughs> having this conversation and being able to geek out on these type of things. It's just, it's fun. It's why we do this, right?
0: Yeah, like that's exactly right. Um, so, for any listeners that want to learn, you know, a little bit more about you, I don't know if you're open to connecting. Um, Sure. you know, is, is there some, should they connect with you on LinkedIn or, you know, LinkedIn is
1: definitely the best place to contact me. Um, because I always get those communications and, (laughs) you know, always check out the website. Um, we are in the middle of doing some AB testing. Uh, so, you know, well, always some changes to come, but thank
0: you. We'll definitely give you a nice backlink on our website. (laughs) So we're going to help (laughs) you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Cassie.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Bye.